what is good everybody man i appreciate y'all tuning in if you haven't noticed i know the round table is usually on wednesdays and my fcs previews are usually on thursdays we're going to switch it up for the rest of the season man my guy scotty has some things come up on wednesday night so now you can find the round table every single thursday night from here out from here on out and you can find our our FCS preview every single week on Wednesday night. So the round table and everything is still going on. We're just moving it to, we're just moving it to a different night um, starting this week, man. So it, uh, and I might do depending on travel, the FCS preview sometimes on Friday nights, man, I'll, I'll let you guys know in the community page, man. So make sure you turn those post notifications on and everything like that. But tonight I added a little bit of a new segment. Um, Listen, Mr. Campbell called in last episode and our last show and said that he thinks that each week I should make a top five FCS quarterbacks list. That way, more people understand kind of what is going on in the national, you know, the national battle across the country with quarterbacks. He said he felt like a lot of people were blinded a little bit about, you know, their loyalty to their team or conference and and really don't know what's going on across the country at the quarterback position. So tonight I am going to drop my first top five FCS quarterback list. Now, to preface the list, because that's the next slide, to preface this list, this is based on strictly on-field performance this season. So this has nothing to do with NFL draft projections. This has nothing to do with career accomplishments, preseason accolades, accolades from from previous seasons. The quarterback rankings week to week are going to be based strictly on what the quarterback has done this season. So if, if, if there's a player that you're like, oh, man, I think his draft stock's a little bit higher, it could be, but there might be a quarterback that is outplaying him similar to how um, – some similar to how some of the quarterbacks last year who got drafted from the FCS were not Eric Berrier and or Cole Kelly. I mean, so it, just because you're the best quarterback week to week on the field doesn't mean your NFL draft stock necessarily always reflects that due to some political things behind the scenes with the NFL. So quarterback rankings are dropping tonight. We're also going to go over some FBS potential upsets for some FCS teams. Listen, if you're looking to make some money, for two for two so far we have predicted it we predicted the one upset in week one and then also we predicted two fbs upsets last week man so listen take what take these fb fcs over fbs upsets legit because right now two for two throughout the season and um so no, it, this is a season list. So um as so um as we go throughout the season the list will be updated based on what based on the player's overall resume throughout the season. Um so that each week you'll be updated but your performance week 1, week 2, week 3, week 4, etc will all matter. So I'm looking at the end of the season uh, by week 13 or 14 I want my QB top 5 list to be the top 5 quarterbacks of the 2022 season. So this week, the, I took into account week zero, 
week one and week two. All three of those performances mattered, and I took the overall body of work thus far in the season. So that's how I made my quarterback list is what you've done on the field this season. So next week, I'm going to add week three performances in there as well. So after the FBS uh, games, I'm going to talk about two slides full of FCS games that include Southern Texas Southern, Jackson State, Grambling, Delaware, Rhode Island, Holy Cross, GL. We got some really, really big games. And you can find more breakdowns of all the FCS games I talk about tonight on our website tomorrow. The article drops in the morning. And, of course, we're going to break it down even more on the roundtable tomorrow night with Offscript at, I believe, 7 p.m. Central Time. So plenty of content coming. And, of course, uh, listen, I know, I know what it is. A lot of people want my individualized preview for Jackson State, Grambling State. That is also going to be dropping tomorrow morning on our YouTube channel where I'm going to give you all 20 minutes of pure breakdown about these two teams and give my official score predictions for the Jackson State game. So, man, before we get started, man, we got got almost 100 people in here now. People are starting to roll in, hit the like button, and make sure to subscribe. But let's get into the QB rankings for the 2022 season thus far. Like I said, if you're just tuning in, this is strictly based on on on-the-field performance this season nothing else no accolades no career stats anything like that just based on performance i got honorable mentions as well so some of the honorable mentions before we break this down dresser win for ut martin parker mckinney eastern kentucky kasim hill from rhode island paxton delorent from from southeast missouri state zevi eckhouse from bryant davis richard from north carolina central lucas johnson from montana and gunner talking to from eastern washington the reason that some of these guys are on the honorable mentions is one, they either they, they either played three games, and I'm wondering if their stats are a bit inflated compared to some of the guys on my list that played two games. And also there's been some inconsistent performances, and I have question marks about the um about the overall competition on their schedule. So some of these quarterbacks have not faced similar teams. So I'm taking a quarterback who went up there and put up a performance against an FBS school. I'm waiting that more than a guy who went out there and did it against no offense to anybody, you know, a pioneer league school or a D2 school. So Davis Richard, he he played Winston-Salem State, played well, but I got it. I can't put him on the list when some of these quarterbacks on this list played ranked teams and played some of the top teams at the FCS level. Now, let me say this. This was tough because, as you all know, I've said on this show, I think Shador Sanders and Jason Shelley are the two are the two most talented quarterbacks in the FCS right now. I think these two guys you're seeing at four and five are the two most pure talented quarterbacks, but there's some guys at one through three that have really earned their spot. When you look at Jason Shelley, 69% completion percentage this year, almost 600 yards passing, six passing touchdowns, zero turnovers, and one rushing touchdown. He's led his team to a 2-0 and record against Central Arkansas and number 14 UT Martin this past Thursday. I think Shelley's ability to get out of the pocket, make plays with his legs, is something that separates him from some of the other quarterbacks on this list. And I think for Shelley, it's just putting it all together because he was so dynamic on the ground last year that he hasn't really been able to show that this year. He was very inconsistent in the first game in the first half against Central Arkansas. And I think due to the efficiency of Shador and some of the quarterbacks ahead of him, I think that's the separating factor. I want to see Shelley, even though he completed almost 70% of his passes, 
he still sometimes can get a little wayward with his football, man. But listen, Jason Shelley came in as the favorite for the Walter Payton Award. He's done nothing to lose that lose that contender status. But for me, right now, I had to put him at five just due to how great some of the quarterbacks on my list have played. Now, Shador Sanders falls at four. I really debated three and four for Shador, but completed almost 80% of his passes these first two weeks for, for 599 yards, pretty much 600, six passing touchdowns, zero turnovers as well. Same with Shelley. He doesn't have a rushing touchdown, but the reason I picked Shador over Shelley, guys, is because one, I think even though they put up a lot of points on FAMU's defense, I like FAMU's defense over Central Arkansas, and I still think Tennessee State was very – has been very overlooked in terms of defensive talent. So I think he's played one, just as tough competition, and he's been so efficient. And for me, the way Shador runs the offense is something that not many quarterbacks in the country can replicate. So that's why I put Shador over, uh, over Jason Shelley, and I know a lot of people are probably surprised to see him over Shelley based on how high how – much hype Shelly had coming into the season. But these are my four and five. The list of honorable mentions are there. Like I said, the honorable mentions are just guys who have not really played the best competition on their schedule or unproven guys who have been really, really good these first few weeks. But I want to see more and see if they can, can keep it up throughout the season. Now, my top three here. Listen, number one was easy. Lindsey Scott Jr. has been the best player in FCS football this, this season thus far. Tim DeMorat from Fordham right there with him, and Mike Delelio from Austin P. have all three been absolutely unstoppable, man. When you look at Delelio uh, from Austin P. completed over 70% of his passes for 760 yards, 11 touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns, and the one thing he has is he did play three games, but one was against an FBS school in week zero. Has led Austin Peay to two and, a two and one record. Western Kentucky, Presbyterian, and Missouri, uh, Missouri uh, Mississippi Valley State. So he's been super efficient in that offense, and a big reason why Austin Peay received some top twenty five votes this weekend. Now Demorit uh, from Fordham completed about sixty nine percent of his passes as well. It leads the country. Listen. Scott and, and, and Tim DeMora have also only played two games. 838 passing yards in his first two games, 11 passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, has led this team to wins over Wagner and a huge CAA upset win over Monmouth, who was a top 25 team coming into the season. DeMora at least the country in passing yards in only two games thus far. He came in as a top five FCS quarterback in the season, according to Hero Sports, and he is my second quarterback right now throughout the first two weeks of the season going into week three. And Lindsey Scott, man, do I need to even explain this? Lindsey Scott has completed over 70% of his passes, almost 800 yards, 10 passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and led incarnate word to a top 10 win over Southern Illinois and an FBS upset win over Nevada where he threw for over 400 yards in that game. Lindsey Scott has made... Really and truly, Lindsey Scott has made Incarnate Word fans almost forget about Cameron Ward, and I never thought I would ever say that on this show ever. I came into the season, I had Incarnate Word in my top 20, but a big part of me wondered if if G.J. Kenny could, could come in his first ever job as a head coach and replace what they lost. Man, Cameron Ward goes to Washington State. They lose their head coach. They're the defending Southland Conference champs. They conference jump to the WAC and jump back to the Southland right before the season. There was just a lot going on in the offseason. 
And Incarnate Word, in my opinion, has been the best team on the field in the F- at the FCS level this season. The, the defense looks much improved. The offense has been unstoppable. I, if you watched our uh, recap, uh, Darian Chafin won the player of the week this year at the wide receiver spot, and Lindsey Scott Jr. has been electric at the quarterback position. This is not something I saw from Scott when, when he was over at Nickel State. I did not see the efficiency. I did not see the explosiveness. And I just didn't see his ability to push the football down the field like we've seen this season, man. But at the top five right now, going into week three, listen, Lindsey Scott Jr., Tim DeMoret, Mike DeLelio, and going back, Shador Sanders at four, Jason Shelley at five. Those are the five best quarterbacks right now through the first two weeks, or really first three weeks of the season, if you count week zero. But that's how I see it right now. And I, I think I think a lot of these quarterbacks have some big games coming up. Lindsey Scott has a Southeastern Louisiana game coming up in two weeks. Shador Sanders has a big matchup, has some big matchups coming up in October. Fordham's about to open up conference play, and Austin P is going to have to go back and play in a very, very competitive ASUN. I'm really looking forward to seeing him against that Jacksonville State defense that gave Stephen F. Austin so many problems. And we already know what conference Jason Shelley plays in in the Missouri Valley. He's going to have to go up against that South Dakota State defense and what's going to be a huge money-making game for him. He's going to have to go out there and play out of his mind if Missouri State really plans on competing for that Missouri Valley Conference Championship this year. Those are my top five quarterbacks, man. Comment below um, what y'all think about it. And, and if there's anyone that you feel like should have been in the top five or should have been higher, and I, I'm definitely going to um, read some of y'all's comments. But listen, uh, two for two. Listen, week one and week two, we got three. We predicted three of the upsets, really four. I didn't have the Holy Cross one on the slide, but I talked about that one um, on, on the phone call with one of the one of the callers last episode. But there's some, in my opinion, there are these four games easily easily met Paris you are so petty with that Paris said Musa belongs in the top five of FCS quarterbacks right now you are petty you are petty Paris but um I would not be surprised if we have back-to-back weeks of four FCS over FBS wins this weekend the first one obvious listen NDSU Arizona if I'm not mistaken I think I don't know which sports book it was I think it was um Wyndham, if I'm not mistaken, Wyndham Sportsbook had NDSU as a one-point favorite this weekend um, over Arizona. That game kicks off at 10 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. In my opinion, I I, I said coming into the season that NDSU probably is going to be the favorite over Arizona. Now, Arizona has looked much better these first two weeks. They, They lost a close game to Mississippi State last weekend, and they got a week one win. Um, uh, I, I'm blanking on the team though, so they're sitting at one and one. But I think NDSU winning. Um, they've won their first two games. I don't know if y'all know this. I wanted to kind of run this by y'all real quick. NDSU was 35 point favorites over North Carolina A and T. I just man, that seems like an absolute outrageous line for just uh, just a a game that when it was signed, a lot of people thought A and T could could um could really win that game a 35 point favorite but NDSU's won six straight FBS games I I, I got them winning this weekend I really do um that's one of the ones I feel pretty confident I think I never dock a team for losing an FBS game I'll say that 
But I think the perception for a lot of average fans and a lot of FCS fans is going to be if North Dakota State loses this game, there's going to be a lot of people looking at them sideways going into FCS play. Whether it's fair or not, I'm going to keep it real. There's a lot of people who are expecting NDSU to go into this game and win. And if they don't, there's going to be a lot of people that say that they got upset, even as the FCS team. That just is, comes with, the, I guess, the territory or perception of being North Dakota State. But I got North Dakota State winning that game now. Montana State versus Oregon State is a very interesting one. We'll see if Isaiah Afonzi is back from injury. But listen, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Malott in that offense has looked really, really good these first two weeks. We know what the defense is already is with Ty Okada and them in the back end. I think Montana State can go into go into Corvallis and really give Oregon State a run for their money. I think when you look at the Montana schools and how successful they've been in some of these big games, you look at Montana knocking off a of ranked Washington last year. I do, do not be surprised if Montana State can make this a very, very competitive game going late into this game this weekend in Corvallis. Now, the next game below, man, Tulsa has really, really struggled over the past few years, and Jacksonville State has looked amazing. And I, I kind of call this an, FB, an FCS like .5 upset over FBS because, listen, Tulsa still uh, – Jacksonville State still has the FBS scholarship limit at 85, but they're still transitioning. So if they do win, it still counts as an FCS win. Um, and they've looked good. Listen, Rich Rodriguez, I'm not a believer. Listen, I told you guys um, – I was not a Rich Rod believer before the Stephen F. Austin game. That is why I was so confident that Stephen F. Austin would knock off um, Jacksonville State, but they have not missed a beat. They've looked impressive over Davidson. They've looked impressive over Stephen F. Austin, and they looked impressive last weekend as well. I would not be surprised if Jacksonville State came out with a big win against Tulsa. And then the final one, Navy's already went down to a CAA team. Delaware went in and handled Navy. Villanova has a chance to get another FBS win for the CAA. It would be their what their third of the season in one conference. Three different teams, William and Mary and Delaware, already have FBS wins. Do not be surprised if Villanova goes in there and handle and handles Army and gives the CAA back to back wins over the service academy schools this season. Um, if I was if I was to say the most confident, I would if I had to rank these, I would probably say. NDSU over Arizona and then Jacksonville State over Tulsa would be the two that I would be most confident in if I had to if I had to rank them. And then the other two are probably Tulsa's. I think if I had to rank all four of them in order, I would do NDSU, Jacksonville State, Villanova, Montana State would be would be the four in, in my opinion. Uh, D that that that's probably how I would rank it. I think NDSU is an obvious number one. Jacksonville State with how dominant they've looked and how questionable Tulsa has looked. I think would be a, a another one that I, I would look at a little bit sideways. So, but other than that, listen, I, I got to give Oregon State. And now Army's always tough, man. That's the that's the reason I have a little bit of question marks on that one. As much as good as the CAA and Villanova have been, Army is a really really tough team to beat. They consistently give Power Five teams problems. You look their game against Oklahoma a few years back. Their game against Michigan, I believe, what a year or two ago. Army's a tough a tough team to beat, and, and so we'll see. But um, I, I like NDSU and Jacksonville State for sure, in my opinion, if I had to rank them D. Uh, let's see. Um, I can agree on 35 points, 35-point uh, favorite based on where A&T is right now. 
Jacksonville State can beat Tulsa. I'm confident in Villanova and um, and NDSU. I'm looking forward to watching Nas Guy Israel. We're going to get to that man. Listen, the Jackson the, the Jackson State Grambling um, one is coming up. All four ups that sound reasonable. CAA is mopping teams. Army is going to beat Villanova. Nova will win. So it sounds like that no that Nova Army game is one that's going to be a toss up. But man, let's keep this thing moving. I want to get to y'all's calls and comments. Um, but listen, the first set of FCS versus FCS games I'm really looking forward to the Citadel versus Mercer Holy Cross versus Yale Southern versus Texas Southern and Austin P versus Alabama A&M All, this is like my first round of games that I, I'm excited to see but probably aren't games of the week that's how I'm going to organize these but I, I think the Citadel Mercer game is interesting especially after the Citadel knocked off ETSU which was number 11 in the country and they almost fell off the top 20. I took them out of my top 25 because of how unimpressive they looked. And Mercer's coming in, top 20 team, and they have an explosive offense, a very, very opportunistic defense. And hang on, Coach Green, I said this is just the first slide. Listen, this is just the games I really wanted to briefly cover. And then the next two slides are games of the week and the top ones. It We'll get to Central and, and New Hampshire in, in just a second. Um I, I like Mercer in this one, though. I, I will say that. I think what, um, for some reason, man, I, I can't give y'all like a just a reason. There's just I've been a big fan of what Mercer's building. I like Fred at the quarterback spot. Their running game is is a real problem. And I just think the Citadel so inconsistent, man, like where one week they can knock off a top team in the country and the next week. I mean, Campbell handled them, and I think Mercer can do about the same thing. So I got Mercer winning this one over the Citadel this weekend. Now, for Holy Cross Yale, man, this game's hard to predict because I don't know if you guys remember, the Ivy League is just kicking off their season. The Ivy League did not play any games the the first two or three weeks of the season. So this is the opening weekend for Ivy League play. And... Yale lost to Holy Cross last season, 20-17. to 17. And listen, they returned Wande Owens. They returned Clay Patterson on the defensive side of the football. Mason Tipton is an amazing wide receiver. Spencer Austin returns at the running back spot. But Holy Cross has been impressive this year. That guy, to, that guy in the picture next to all my games, Matthew Solka, is a problem through the air this year over 480 yards and almost 300 rushing on the ground already. Jalen Coker is an absolute dog at the wide receiver spot. And Jacob Dobbs and Liam Anderson, I personally think, might be the best linebacker duo in the country right now in terms of their production and their ability to play sideline to sideline. I like Holy Cross in this one to to go back to back over Yale. I got Holy Cross in this one 30 to 20. This is one of the games I'm going to have in my article tomorrow where I'm really and truly going to break this down in depth. But I got Holy Cross winning this game this weekend. Now for Southern and Texas Southern. This is, oh, man, this this one's tough for me because coming into the season, I thought this one was going to be extremely competitive. And right now, I don't know what, like, I feel like we don't know anything about Southern. I, we didn't learn anything with them beating up a JUCO team. And we didn't learn anything about them going down to Baton or staying in Baton Rouge and, and, catching a, and catching a beating by LSU. And then, but the other on the flip side, Texas Southern has looked atrocious. Texas Southern has looked really bad these first two weeks. Now, I know Drake Sinners has supposedly been out for some games. They've been missing some pieces throughout the season. Now, listen, at corner, my, um, 
my guy over there has been look Isaiah Hamilton has been a dog at corner, but he can't do it alone. And I just don't know if the defense has enough consistency and enough. I, I would just say, I, I just don't know if they have it, man. I don't know if they have, um, I, I just don't know if they have it to pull this one out again, man, because I don't think you're going to sneak up on Southern. You beat Southern last year. You got them on a big upset and really turned their season upside down. I personally don't think Southern's coming in here to to tiptoe in here. I think Southern's going to try to make a statement. I think Dooley really and truly is going to come in here and try to put some points on the board. He seemed very, very uh, – he seemed very motivated in his press conference while on the flip side, uh, Clarence McKinley – um on the on that other side really didn't and so i'm going with southern in this game i think hmm, if i had to put a point total on it i think southern i i I really do think southern wins this game by 10 to 17 points in my opinion i just i just don't think i just don't think andrew body and that team has enough weapons around him to, to go out here and get this win. I think Southern is going to run the football and that defensive line is going to be too much for the interior of that offensive line for Texas Southern. So I got, I got Southern winning this by 10 to 17 points this weekend. I just, I, I don't think, um, I just don't know if Texas Southern has it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm hoping they come out and prove me wrong. Cause I really was high on this team coming into the season, but they haven't sold me on anything. And I don't even think the Texas Southern fans in the chat can say that, that Texas Southern has sold them on anything this season thus far in, in their first few games. Now, Austin P A and M, this was going to be the game I traveled to, but of course I had, um, I, I had uh, something come up and I couldn't travel, man. I, I really wish I could be at this game, but this is a, this is a must win for Kano Manor. And, and but hear me out. I know he said he gets paid to win SWAT games and, and, and all this. And there's technically still in the conference championship race um, regardless. But, I, man, this is a must win, right? Because if you go – because we the next next week they go into Bragg to face FAMU, which is going to be motivated um, – motivated for a win because they're they're sitting at what one and two right now with going into their bye week i just if a&m goes leaves this game oh and two and goes into brag oh and three i just what is the narrative surrounding that program listen i i understand they had two f fbs losses i get it uab People, people don't understand how good that program was. And any anybody in the world, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you, anybody uh, reporter-wise, analyst-wise, YouTuber-wise, whatever that told you A&M had a chance in that game, had no idea what they were talking about because UAB is that good. Um, and, you know, they per- competed a lot better against Troy, which I think was a much more evenly matched game compared to what UAB was. But, man, Austin P has been dominant these past two weeks. Um, I know they've they played Valley and Presbyterian, neither of which are amazing schools, but they've outscored their past two opponents like a hundred something to nothing. I repeat, they've won like their last two games a hundred something to nothing. And this is a huge test for the A and M defense because I listen, I, I got I got Coach Walden's phone number from Austin P. Man, the head coach. I love him, man. One of my favorite coaches to talk to. He is on a mission to he said he he wants to have the number one offense in the country at Austin P. And we just talked about Delilio at quarterback. 
he is a dog, man. Last week against Valley, he had at one point he had more touchdowns and incompletions in the first half, and he threw five first half touchdowns before they just ended up calling, you know, kind of take taking their foot off the pedal against Valley. He threw five first half touchdowns and had more touchdowns and incompletions at one point. That's how, that's how efficient this offense is. is Dre McCray is a problem at the wide receiver position. He is one of the best wide receivers in the country, was an all-conference selection for our publication this preseason. And A&M, they looked a lot better last weekend, but I still have quarterback concerns. Listen, Quincy Casey and Lankford, neither of them have looked like they can be the guy. I really don't. I don't see that it factor, and I knew there was going to be a small drop-off from – I, there was going to be a drop off from a from a quill glass to whoever they put in that quarterback spot, but man, since they've won that swag title, man, they they look great last year, but they just they haven't seemed to have it yet. And Abdul has been in and out. Uh, Gary Quarles has done his thing at running at the running back spot, but as y'all know, you cannot win high level games like this without it without a quarterback. And so this is a this is a game where. The quarterback play has to be at a premium because they made Valley don't have a quarterback either, and that defense for Austin P made them pay. Uh, Austin P also forced two interceptions against Western Kentucky, which has one of the best passing schemes in the country at the FBS level. So this Austin P defense is not going to be a joke. I have Austin P in this one. Um, I got Austin. I got Austin P by fourteen to twenty-one in this game. I think. It, I think A and M could probably keep it close early, especially if they get quarrels going in terms of the run game. But right now, I just think Austin P has way too much firepower for this Bulldogs defense. So I got Austin P by twenty-one this weekend over Alabama A and M um, in Huntsville this weekend. But man, these these are some of the big games before we get to our overall game of the week. And I, listen, I know what the poll said, but listen, I I already knew what the game of the week was going to be. I just kind of wanted to see what you guys were thinking. But the 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 um, let's see, okay, based on the press conference, uh, Drizzy, based on the based on the press conference, I heard Lankford is probably going to be QB one uh, based on Maynard's comments. But I still think if Lankford goes out there and doesn't look great, we could still probably see QC come in. But I still, th- I, 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 I personally think they're going to just keep trying to, they're going to let someone win this job. And right now the job's out there for either one of these guys to grab and they just haven't, they just haven't done it. So um, uh, we'll see, man. But right now I heard, I, based on the comments, it looks like it's going to be Lankford, but you never know, man. That could have just been, you know, Maynard talking about it and, We'll see, but these are like the co-games of the week, man. I, I can't wait to see all of these games this weekend. But man, we gotta we we gotta start with Northern Arizona versus uh versus North Dakota, number 22 in the country. I had Northern Arizona 23 in my poll. This game is gonna be very, very interesting, man. Listen, um NAU is coming off of a huge upset over Sam Houston State. They held Sam Houston State with 85 scholarships. The three points last week, they put on a defensive clinic, in my opinion. While North, while North Dakota last week won a twenty-seven to twenty, twenty-nine twenty-seven game over UNI and knocked them out of the top twenty-five. And I love RJ Martinez, the guy pictured next to the games right here at quarterback. I think he's one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the country. The question mark is, can he take care of the football and can he score more? Like. The offense has to score more than 10 points this week. 
North Dakota is going to play the, that brand of Missouri Valley football where they're going to try to run the football. They're going to try – this game is probably going to be under 30 points. But still something in my soul, man. I've said NAU is going to be a sleeper in the big sky. I'm going with I'm going with Northern Arizona in a close upset, man, 14-13 to 13 over North Dakota. I think NAU has the talent. I, the big sky has been has performed really, really well in the Missouri Valley Big Sky Challenge this year. I think NAU pull, NAU pulls off the upset this weekend, 14 to 13. And I think that will be one of the bigger upsets of the weekend. And NAU is going to skyrocket in the top 25 come Monday morning. But going to the next game, North Carolina Central traveling to face number 25 New Hampshire and this game I, and I, I want to keep I want to I want to be transparent with you guys if North Carolina Central wins this game no, um well um no it, it's North Dakota Booker um NAU over North Dakota not North Dakota State it's, it's, it's North Dakota so uh, no North Dakota State upset this this week by NAU but North Dakota upset yes um if if Central wins this game do not be surprised if they go undefeated this year. Just going to put that out there. If they go in here and beat New Hampshire on the road, do not be surprised if Central finishes this season undefeated. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Listen, New Hampshire is a ranked team. They've been really they, they've been a contender in the CAA, and in my opinion, Central right now is a better team than South Carolina State. We'll see. It, later this season, but their next biggest games are Campbell and South Carolina State, and those are winnable games for North Carolina Central. If they if they win this game, do not be surprised if Central goes through the season undefeated and winds up in Atlanta um, this off this this season. Let's see. Hang on. Um, so Central, okay, they 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 weren't super active um, in the transfer portal jersey, but what happened is. One, the team was really, really banged up coming out of the um, out of the Miak Swack Challenge against Alcorn State last year, and on top of that, all their all their good players last year were freshmen or sophomores. Jersey outside of the one running back, I'm blanking on his name. He went to the XFL, I think, but outside of their running back, everybody was a freshman or a sophomore or someone coming back. So what happened is it was just a young team last year who Central was only what. Um, one game they lost they lost um they lost to South Carolina State by one score so it was a young team who was one score away from going to the celebration bowl last year that everybody came back Richard improved at quarterback their defense took a big step forward and their offensive line all came back and developed so therefore they they're just they're the same team last year except they just got a lot more experience and they're focused and I love their coach listen I love Buddy Pugh I was so honored to be able to talk to him at MEAC Media Day. But I I don't think people understand how good of a coach Trey Oliver really is. And I I really mean that. I I know Buddy Pugh gets a lot of credit in the HBCU space. I know Coach Prime gets a lot of credit. Willie Simmons, Connell Maynard, uh, you know, all these coaches, Eddie George. But I think Trey Oliver is the most overlooked coach in the HBCU space that doesn't get his respect. He's really and truly built a, a legit contender, and this is why I have Central in my top 25 right now. I really do think Central has a team that 
could win a handful of MEAC titles consecutively over these next few seasons. They they have a legit squad, and Trey Oliver has the confidence, he has the coaching ability, and he's doing great with staff hires to really prepare his team to compete at the highest level. So um, I think it's a little bit of both, Sonic Boom. But um, well, I I think it's a little bit of both. A and T has their um, has their um, own issues, but. I, I think it's a little bit of both, but to go out there and beat them like they did, I don't even think that game should have been as close as the score was, to be honest, man. Just, you know, looking at it, watching the actual game, I, I don't think that game um, should have been particularly close. What about South Carolina State? Two games. We have 18 starters returning wise. South Carolina State not ahead of JSU in the poll. Um, I mean, I don't think South Carolina State's done enough to be in the top 25, just in my personal opinion, Russell. I mean, they look good against Bethune-Cookman, but I don't know how big of a win that was for them. I, I tried to tell Scotty and everyone that, that South Carolina State was going to beat Bethune-Cookman, but I still want to see South Carolina State win some. If they beat A&T, Russell, and they, they go and beat Central and everything, we can have this conversation about South Carolina State in the top 25. But right now, I, I don't see how you put them in the top 25, just just personally. Much respect to NCCU, but they're not beating South Carolina State because the game. It, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a drum major. I think the game's in Orangeburg this year, if I'm not mistaken. So that that would be a tough road win for Central. Um, see, Cousins in the Miac could be that definitely could be Jacoby. I, I agree with you on that. Um, and we've been live for about 30 minutes, man. They might get ranked in the top 20. Uh, possible. They definitely got us good. Their execution and coaching killed us. JSU should win by multiple touchdowns. <laughs> man, I'm not that bad of luck. I, I don't think so. Um, also, this is a good point, man. Maurice, uh, Maurice uh, brought this up. The new defensive coordinator, um, they brought in a new defensive coordinator from A&T, too. And, and he's been a great addition to that defense. And I think the defense has taken the, the largest step forward, in my opinion. Um, don't agree, Blue. We were undisciplined. The coach asked the first time started to throw 48 times. Look at the stats, penalties, kill two scores. <clears throat> I'll give you that. I, I don't know how to feel about Jaeger, though, Maurice. I'll be honest. I don't know how I feel about Jaeger as the um, as a starter right now. I don't think he's looked particularly great in any of their games, but um, we'll see. Uh, definitely see about that. I'll take NCCU if Corey Fields is starting. That could be a good point. Uh, 10-22 at South Carolina State. That would be a huge road win. If Central goes into Orangeburg and pulls off that game, that is a huge win for Trey Oliver and that staff. Sac State benefited last year because they dodged all the top teams in the big sky. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, We'll talk about JSU in just a minute, but, man, let me get, let me get back to this uh, Central-New Hampshire game. Listen, this game's on Flow Sports. Don't recommend watching it if you don't like. Uh, listen, Flow Sports has a lot of issues. We'll just say that I'm ready for the CAA's um, media contract to expire with them. But uh, listen, New Hampshire's look good these first two games. They, they got two wins over Monmouth and, and Albany, uh, two CAA wins already, and they're going to try to run the football. Their running back, Dylan Laub, already has five rushing touchdowns and almost 300 yards rushing in the first two games of the season. They have a great tight end and Lepowski and, and they've done a great job at just being physical at the point of attack and just out, out manning their, their, their matchups. But with central, 
you know, it's all going to come down to Richard. It, it really, it really is. Um, S class, that's North Dakota's logo. North, North Dakota state is different. So there's a, there's a North Dakota and a North Dakota state. That top one is North Dakota. Um, so the, the in-state rival of, of, of NDSU. So it, it's North Dakota is the one you see at the top. Um, but it's all going to come down to Richard. I thought he's done good. He has three rushing touchdowns so far in the season and has over 400 yards passing in the first two games. And also the defense has played so well, like I was mentioning, and there were some names, Brandon Codrington and some people that I identified early coming into the season as as standout guys. But I want to give one player a shout-out, Khalil Baker. Khalil Baker has notched an interception in both both of the first two games for a central. And on top of that, already has 10 tackles, which leads the team this season. Khalil Baker has been all over the field for central this this season. And so, you know, this might be a heart pick. And um, I'm just going to let y'all know, by the way, if you haven't checked out the website, 7-0 and last week on the website. We went 7-0 and um, in picks, man, for the season on the website. We are 18 and six. We went seven and zero last week on our picks. And listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna call my shot on this upset. I have Central pulling off the upset over New Hampshire this weekend, 28-21 in a huge, huge road win for for for, uh, for the Eagles this weekend, man. I think this is Trey Oliver's signature win. I like Central to pull off the upset over New Hampshire, and. I know that's I know that's a big a big upset prediction. I always like to try to have one upset prediction in my um of the week, and this is it. NCCU pulls off the upset over New Hampshire. Um, CAA teams: Delaware, Richmond, William and Mary, and Villanova are really really good. This is a statement game for Central. They win. I agree with you. They'll go unbeaten. Uh, I'm mad. This game is <laughs> all flow sports. It's, I don't know if it's free. I'm going to be honest, Coach Green. I just try to find like streams or something when a game's on Flow Sports. I hate watching it, but I do think there's like a free version. But to watch like any game on it, I think you have to have a subscription if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see. I was, uh... Yeah, James, uh, we talked a little bit about Holy Cross Yale to start the show, man, but I'm excited for the um, Ivy League season to start too. Central's QB reminds me of McNair, the way he makes plays. I'm a hold off on that, Clarence. I'm a hold off on the McNair comparisons, but I do agree that that he does. He he's a playmaker, and um, I, I definitely agree on that. Um, I think Central beats Bulldogs. Feels is just not consistent enough. Maybe the Miac play D two teams will be in the top ten, not PWI teams. Mm. It it is it is bold. I'll say that, man. It's bold, but I really really like Central this year. I've been beating the drum since the preseason, and and that's where I'm going to go. If NCCU wins, how high? So, Coach Green, right now, I have Central twenty fourth in my ballot, and then I think they were they had a few honorable mentions this week. I think they're going to be probably somewhere about twenty two to twenty three if they win. I'll personally have them in the top 20, but listen, I, everyone knows I I kind of not all the voters pay as much of attention to the MEAC and the SWAC as I do, 
but I think NCCU should be a top 20 team if they win this game on the road. But I still think they'll probably fall somewhere in that 21 to 23 range. Coach Green, if I had to guess, based on where they are right this second. Also, it also depends on what happens in some of the other games. If some of those other teams from like that 15 to 25 range lose, things could also change there, Coach Green. So it also depends on that as well. Yeah, I don't, yeah, uh, flow sports ain't free. <laughs> what happens? Um, in games like this for HBCUs, coaching in particular the special teams and multiple schemes compared to no special teams coach at most HBCUs, limited schemes and in-game adjustments. Uh, I just don't see the New Hampshire upset happening. I plan on watching a game. Um, yeah, so um, I'll, I'm going to star your, compen- uh, your comment, Imperial, and um, I'll address it um, at the end. Definitely hit the like button. Um, Morehouse Howard, man, Jacoby, that's going to be an interesting game. That one's that, that was the neutral side. Aren't they having that one in like New York or something like that? If I'm not, it, it's some sort of not classic, but some sort of uh, special game. Central number 11 is the only other QB besides Sanders who shows QB instincts in uh, black college football. How was people voting JSU versus Graham being the game of the week? Graham ain't on the same level as JSU. Delaware is the game of the week to me. The Delaware game is the game of the week to me too, uh, Mr. Reed. Don't worry on that. Howard should beat Morehouse, but if they lose, oh boy. Yeah, it would. Um, that would be a nail in the coffin for Howard. It really would. That would be a. That would be a nail in the coffin. Okay, so um, yeah, they're playing in New Jersey MetLife Stadium now. That's now now that's 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 gonna be fun man i i can't wait to see that one um blue you've been high on ncc for a while how did you get there for me it was just looking at how young the team is so when i look for so i'll just kind of give y'all like an inside look in my strategy in the preseason on how to pick you know surprise teams or what teams are really going to take a step forward i look for young teams that had a majority had had a lot of talent. So they're putting up stats. They, they got a bunch of young guys in key positions. Quarterback with Richard. They had some young wide receivers step up. Offensive line, D-line, defensive backs all had young guys who looked promising for most of the season. And they just had their moments in the in, in tough places. So they played, they played their most competitive football against the top teams. They were one game away from winning the MEAC. And everybody came back. And then also Coach Green talking to Trey Oliver in person on camera and off camera, just kind of hearing his mindset, hearing how motivated he was, hearing what he was telling his players and everything. I just got, I just had a feeling, man, that Central was going to make that jump. And the number one thing that you need, and everyone talks about this is coaching. And for me, I'm sold on Trey Oliver as a coach, like I was talking about earlier. So for me, being young, everyone coming back, those, uh, all their top players except for the running back came back pretty much and also the offensive line and d-line looked like they were going to take a take a um take a big step forward so that's why i picked central and mostly because i was a believer in trey oliver in my in my opinion if all corn uh knocks off mcneese where will you rank them um all corn can't be ranked yet uh jm i mean there's the every one and two and it McNeese is not a team that's anywhere close to being ranked uh, i don't even is i don't think mcneese has won a game either so I can't rank Alcorn for beating McNeese. I don't think that's a game that's really going to earn them um, any votes in the top 25 JM. But Alcorn's going to have to win some SWAT games and, and put together a run here. But if they would have beat Stephen F. Austin, then we could be talking. But 
I don't think you can rank a one and two team just because they beat um, McNeese, in my opinion. If PB if PV beats UIW, not happening, Coach Green. But if, if it happens, it would be the biggest upset in FCS football this season. Just going to leave it at that. That would be the biggest upset in FCS football this season. But listen, guys, um, I told y'all about the – I told you all about the sponsorship for the podcast with DraftKings. About to pay some bills real quick. We're going to take a 60-second commercial break and be right back. So stay tuned, and then we're going to break down Jackson State, Grambling State right here on the Blue Bloods. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point in the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. All you need to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BLUEBLOODS to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any game this weekend. That's code BLUEBLOODS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Now, guys, let's get back to all the great content right here on the Blue Bloods. We back. We back, man. Listen, um, I appreciate y'all because without y'all, stuff like that never happens on this channel, man. So I do appreciate y'all, man. But definitely go use the promo code Blue Bloods this weekend, man. Um, and and go get and go make some money this weekend on some NFL games. Um, but listen, Jackson State, Grambling, um I, this game, okay. I'm gonna do a full preview tomorrow, man, because um I'm going to do a full preview because I know y'all been asking. I had some DMs about it, asked if I was actually going to do it. Um, hey, appreciate you, Spotlight, for sure, man. Definitely appreciate you. But I'm, I'm going to do a preview because I know y'all want one. But, man, I particularly do not think this game is going to be very close. Um, I, I really don't. When I, when I I went back and watched some film um, from the Arkansas State game, I went back and watched some film on – uh, from the new, uh, the Northwestern State game last weekend, I just don't see this game being. Uh, I, I don't see it being close at all. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a hundred with you guys. This game could not um, could not be worse uh, a, a worse matchup for Grambling because I, I've said I've said what since last year, guys, that the number one thing you need to beat Jackson State is a quarterback. And right now, I don't think um, – I, I really don't think that um, Grambling has a quarterback. And, uh, listen, Hawkins is athletic. He has some potential. But, man, when you're completing less than less than 50% of your passes, I, how, I don't see how that in, in the world you're going to be able to do anything against this Jackson State defense. It's going to be a giant test for the offensive line to see if they can protect him and I want to see if they can get him out of the pocket and go make some plays with his legs. If they can't do that, I don't see how Grambling has has a prayer to win this game. And 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 the, and another thing is I, I just don't know if they can run the football. 
And for this Grampling team to be successful, we saw last week is Maurice Washington, Lamborghini, and all those running backs have to be explosive and they have to be able to open things up in the pass game and really and truly give some down-the-field opportunities for Hawkins and these wide receivers. And I just don't, I, I just I just don't see it, man. This is this is a terrible matchup for for Grambling, in my opinion. And on top of that, you're going into the vet where I, you're going into the vet where that thing is going to be jam packed. Let's just be honest; it's the first home game of the year after two big road games, and these these Jackson State fans are waiting for an opportunity to get to the vet and support their team and see them and, and see them in Jackson. And uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fifty something thousand people, and Jackson State's gonna be motivated. Because listen, I I told y'all this on my recap. I have never been more awkward in a winning team press conference than I was this weekend with Jackson State. I have never felt more awkward sitting there listening to Coach Prime, Niles Gaddy, Shador, and Mata the kicker talk about how they were disappointed in that team when they just won the game by double digits. It, it, it felt like they lost the football game. And I, I just think, uh, I, I just, I think Jackson state's going to come in on a mission. I'm going to be honest. I, I think they're going to come in on a mission and they are absolutely going to try to f- make sure every single light on the scoreboard works in the vet this weekend. And so I got Jackson State big in this one. I'm going to drop my official score prediction tomorrow. Listen, um, it, I'm still going to treat it, you know, because I'm still treated as one of our um, score prediction ones. So listen, the Venmo giveaway still applies to this Jackson State Grambling game. So when I post the episode tomorrow morning, click on the video, comment your score predictions in the comments of tomorrow's Jackson State Grambling video. If you predict the winner and the score correctly, you win our $50 Venmo giveaway, man. So be on the lookout for that video tomorrow morning and go comment there. Any comments in these comments are not going to count. You have to comment on the, on the official preview video tomorrow. Um, I just, my thing is when I look at Shador, when I look at the wide receiving core, when I look at now Savion Wilkerson developing as a running back, when I look at the offensive line development, especially in the run game for Jackson state, I just don't know if if Grambling State has the um, has the back end to hang in there. Um, and I, when you look at Sundiata Anderson, he he has his moments. Last year, he was he was an, he was a great pass rusher, but his strength is run defense. And for me, I just don't know if they have a guy who can go get the quarterback. So it's just a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. And my thing is is are they going to be able to slow down the passing attack? If you cannot make Jackson State one-dimensional, you don't have a chance. And then you look on the other side of the football, Niles Gaddy is on an absolute mission, man. An absolute mission. I talked to some people close to him today, and what he said, This listen, this guy just got four sacks, right? He just had four sacks and four and a half tackles for loss last week. He said... He still thought that he should have had more than four sacks, that he thought he didn't perform very well last week. And I'm like, man, you had four sacks. What else? Like, what did you need to do? He said that he was disappointed because he thought he should be able to do more. And I'm like, 
bro, you just had four sacks and four and a half tackles for loss. Like, you, what were you going to do more? So he's on a mission. Devontae Davis has played well on the inside. We know what Aubrey is at linebacker. The, the, listen, the one guy who's been a breakout player is, I want to give him a shout out, is Wiggins on the back end. Wiggins has looked, in my opinion right now, him and Gaddy have looked like the two most improved players on Jackson State's team this year. Gaddy and, 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 and him have looked amazing. Wiggins looks like a completely different player in the back end of this defense. And I understand Nugget hasn't been in there. Travis is still banged up and won't play this weekend, as Coach Prom said in the press conference. I, I, I just don't know. I, I, you can't bench Wiggins. Like I know how talented Hunter and Nugget are, but you can't bench Wiggins. He's been playing that good. And so uh, I, we'll see what happens. Zay's on the other side as well. We're going to see what happens when everyone comes back. But I think Wiggins and Gaddy right now have been the two best players on the on the defense for Jackson State this year. And that they they really and truly have done an absolute job, amazing job these first two games. Um, no, Jersey, he, he said in the press conference this week, you can go check, I got it up on my, um, on my channel in one of the, um, previous videos. He said, Travis is not playing this weekend. Um, he, he just came out flat and said that Travis wasn't ready to go. And, uh, Travis won't be, Travis won't be playing this weekend. According to coach prom in his press conference, uh, the keys to victory. Um, one, you got, you got to score in the red zone. You have to score in the red zone, man. That's something that, you know, I I get it. You made some mistakes. You know, there were some turnovers. Like um, when, when he got when he got stripped um by the by the defensive back when he was trying to get like an extra two yards when he already had the first down. You made some mistakes, but you have to put the ball in the end zone because what's happening is even if let's say even if even if you got a field goal kicker, which they do. Amada did an amazing job this past weekend. When you only put three up, it keeps the other team in the game. We talked about it on the recap, man. All of y'all put in the comments. If if those field goals for Jackson State turn into touchdowns, the game last week isn't even close. Um, so you have to put the ball in the end zone because it gives the other team hope when they can hold you to a field goal. Because as a defensive, as a as a defense, if if someone drives inside your red zone and you hold them to three, that's a win for the defense. That's an absolute win. Or you first force a turnover or whatever. That's a huge win for the defense. So Jackson State's red zone offense has to be better. And on defense, I just think, ah, oh man, I I, I want to see – man, it's hard because the defense has played so well. Like, they're the number one defense in the um in the FCS right now. So I just think you got to do what you – do what you do, man. I, I think that's what um, – I'm just going to say, just play your defensive scheme. We got one caller here. Mr. Ford, you're live. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you're you're good, man. Yeah, let me let me turn this thing down. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, all right. Let me turn it down here because I know I know it'll come down. Listen, do you remember Ted Hendricks? He played for uh, the Baltimore Colts back in the seventies, and he played for the Oakland Raiders. They called him the Mad Start. Oh yeah. Do you remember him? I do. Okay, that's who Gaddy looks like. Gaddy is playing just like Ted Hendricks. Now, you know, one of them talking heads used to criticize Gaddy uh, 
a lot last year, but I'm wondering what he's going to say when Gaddy gets drafted high. Because Gaddy's got all the intangibles. He's about 6'4", possibly 6'5". Uh, he's got weight on him. He can run. You can put him down on his hand, and you can stand him up. Okay? Gaddy is a pro prospect. All right, now let me tell you somebody you leaving off. You said you said uh, the Wiggins kid and Gaddy. Don't forget that transfer that's wearing number 31. He's a defensive lineman. He, he plays up there like in the, he's like a defensive tackle. You, I think he's a transfer from Florida International. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, uh, is it Jason Mercier or Mercier? That, that boy is the truth. He is the truth. He he, he has stabilized that that he, it's him. Well, they play a lot of people with him, but I really like it's him. And when Doyle is next to him, Doyle is that transfer from Texas A&M. That's that's two men right there. That's two men. The I talked to someone, you know who knows a little bit about draft comparisons and things. His pro comp for Gaddy was Julius Peppers. Uh-huh. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But see, now let me tell you about Gaddy. See, you can make Gaddy a defensive end, but you, he, you can also put him at linebacker because of his mobility. Now he's right. From what I saw Saturday night, he could have had more than four sacks now. He could have had more. And uh, he's going to be dominant. Uh, Gaddy, I, 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 listen, Gaddy could be in the play for the uh, SWAC player, the, uh, defensive player of the year. He's the favorite uh, right now. Huh? He's the favorite right now based on yeah, statistics. He, I mean, he has stepped his game up. You know, Dion talked about him at the um, – he said that he, 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 saw, he heard all of that, you know, uh, love for James Houston, and then he, he didn't pout about it. He got in the weight room. He was at all them, uh, with that strength and conditioning coach from Georgia because he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's fast. Same thing with that uh, middle linebacker, uh, Miller. Bigger, faster, and stronger. But now let me, let me ask you something. If you presuppose and you put North Carolina a t in the CAA this year, would they win five games? Uh, depending on who they played, probably not. Because, listen, this is what I did today at school. I pulled up the North Dakota State-North uh, Carolina a t game. You know that North Dakota did them a favor, right? You know that, right? Uh, I they told, basically I, called the dogs off after, yeah. after, uh, after the second quarter. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. I told Scotty because he asked me. He was like, man, that second half stats look pretty good. I was like, they pulled everybody at halftime. I watched it. They pulled the dogs off. Because let me tell you, remember I told you it could be 66 to nothing. It could have been worse than that. And the other thing, I uh, I went and pulled up um, North Dakota State's uh, roster today. You see all them boys from Florida they got? Oh, they they recruit Florida well. That's where um, That's Christian right. Watson came from last year who went second round for them. That's right. They got a, one of them wide receivers, a tight end, is out of Tampa. They got a bunch of kids on there from Florida. But I just want to say, um, what I saw in that game today. You, now you you familiar with Virginia Lynchburg? You, you know that school yeah. called Virginia Lynchburg. Mm-hmm. You know everybody plays them for homecoming, right? That's what yeah. the CAA gonna do to North Carolina A&T. They're gonna make North Carolina A&T a homecoming opponent. And let me tell you what they're getting ready to do up there at A&T. They're gonna blame it all on Sam Washington. 
and it's not his fault. They're going to blame See, them boys, that program is still a MEAC program. Y'all can say what y'all want. That's still a MEAC program. And and if you, I saw it plain as day when they played North Dakota State. Okay? Now, let me just say this one thing about that Southern uh Southern and LSU game last week. I had a chance to look at that. And I just want to say this to the Southern people. What did that Southern game do for you? What did it do for you? Did it help you with recruiting? You had, now Blue, what they said they had, over 90,000 people at that game? How, how many people they had at that game? Yeah, it was a sellout, so it was over 100, 100K. Over 100,000. But, but now, here's the thing. It was over 100,000 people, but Southern only got 500,000. Yeah, listen, come on, Southern. Jaguar Nation, wake up. Wake up, okay? That game did nothing for you. If it did anything, it hurt you. Now, let me tell you this here, Blue. Y'all write this down. Willie Simmons got to take that Florida A&M team back in the camp. He's got to redo that offense. He's got to redo that defense. And if he does not do that, they're going to have a losing season. Now, I don't, I'm going to ask you how you feel about that, but that's what I'm telling you now. They have got to go back to the drawing board. He's got to redo that offense, and he's got to redo that defense. Because if they don't, I'm telling you right now, there's a chance Florida and them could have a losing season. Uh, now, Blue, how you feel about that? A losing season would be brutal, but I, I told everyone if they go out there and lose to A&M next week, I don't see mm-hmm. how they finished above fourth in the division. I agree with you on that. Now, I'm going to say my last thing because I know you got a lot of folks on here in the last call. I just want to say this to the people of Mississippi and to the government out there in Mississippi. If y'all let Brett Favre and Governor, that past Governor Phil Bryant get away with this mess, did you hear the story on ESPN Today Blue about what they did? I heard, did you hear the I story heard about yet? it. I heard about it briefly, but I didn't get into all the details yes. of it. All you got to do, I'm talking to all of you that want to hear the story, just put in Brett Favre scandal or go to ESPN today and read the story. It is ridiculous. It is horrible. If those people in Mississippi, the citizens and the state government, allow Brett Favre and Phil Bryant to get away with this, they should take their statehood. Listen, you have a good night. and You're doing a great job, Blue. All right? Appreciate you, Mr. Ford. Okay. One zero two seven. You're live. Hey, Scotty. I'm Scotty. <laughs> hey, Blue. How you doing? What's good, man? Hey, uh, can I? I just want to see your sleepers through some of these conferences through the first two weeks. Can I get a sleeper for the CAA and the Ohio Valley Conference and the Southland? If you don't mind. Um, the Southland is tough because I don't know if anyone's touching Incarnate Word right now. Um, I know they're just on a run. Yeah, that they really and truly are on a different level. Southeastern Louisiana is the obvious second. I think if things click, I wouldn't be surprised if McNeese makes the run for that third spot. I think the offense has has some potential. They just need the defense to kind of catch up and I know I don't know if you can consider them a sleeper because they're ranked now but coming into the season I don't think anyone expected William and Mary to be as good as they are 
And mm-hmm. that's a legit team that I think could compete for a CAA title this year. Cause I thought it was going to be Delaware Villanova and everyone else. So I think William and Mary would be my pick in the CAA. And the other one was what the OVC. Yeah. I, st- I still think Tennessee state's the sleeper in that one. I know they're Owen two, but they possibly could lose this weekend to middle Tennessee state. But I think UT Martin's the obvious favorite but I really do think Tennessee State has the team to go in there and compete in conference. So I would I would say Tennessee State, McNeese, and William and Mary would be my sleepers in those three conferences. Hey man, I really appreciate it. Hey, Keep thank you, man. Appreciate the call. One three two zero. You're live. Hello. What's good, man? And not much, man. Hey, look, just just real quick, not to make everything about JSU, but um, last couple of weeks, I know the line has improved, but I've seen, I know, and uh, you know, Scott talked about a couple of holding calls that weren't called on FAMU, but during Tennessee State, um, there were a couple of holding calls that we had against Patrick and Henry that had, you know, first downs called back and touchdowns called back. Tell me how you think that line is holding up. Like, are, are these guys as good as advertised, or is it just taking time for them to to get their feet up on them? I think it's going to take time. There are five new starters in a new offense. I think you got to give them a little bit of time. Now, you do have to clean up penalties because in big games, a holding here or there will cost you the game. And it cost Jackson State some points this past weekend and some explosive plays. But I wouldn't count them out, man. I think the biggest improvement I've seen from the offensive line comes in the run blocking. They have some guys who are going to go out there and try to put people in the dirt. And that's something they did not have last season. Um, Pass blocking, I still think there's some improvement to be had there. They've done a good job getting the ball out of Shador's hands, and he's done a good job getting out of the pocket to make plays. But I think the run blocking aspect has been the biggest improvement for Jackson State's O-line this year. But I say still give them a few weeks. They've performed well against two really good defensive lines. And this weekend they have another chance against a D-line led by um, was it Sundiata Anderson. So just I would say let give them a few more weeks. But I think – over the first two weeks, you couldn't have asked for anything more from an offensive line with five new starters. Okay. Um, I, and, and my last question would be this. Um, looking at the um, the other FCS conferences, right, uh, MEAC and all involved, um, based on their, you know, trench play, how does JSU kind of measure up? So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we were not – obviously not that good last year on the O-line. So we're happy with better. But are we still, you know, obviously there's some improvement that needs to be done, but are we to a point to where we are comparable or competitive with, um, you know, top 10 FCS teams that are playoff worthy, like play um, deep playoff run worthy, or we still got some work to be done? As I'm looking at right now, uh, like with Tennessee State, Tennessee State played, you know, Eastern Washington tough, right? But that was week one. Uh, they played us tough week one. They're very physical. 
Uh, but, but for our schedule, that's about the only good look we're going to have of a team against a, another team who's played other uh, ranked teams. So just as you see it, how do we rank up against other ranked teams FCS-wide? And where do you think we might wind up, you know, barring any, like, uh, catastrophic injuries uh, at the end of the season? Uh, that's all I got, man. I, I drop off from the some of the colors. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right. Oh, man. Anonymous, you're next. Um, I mean, I think I, I would say they probably got an offensive line that I think you could argue is somewhere in like the 25 to 35 range potentially. But I, I don't think, listen, you, there's a long way to go to put Jackson State in the conversation of offensive line with some of those Midwest teams that have had a, you know, a what, 10, 15 year long run of just offensive linemen consistently coming in and out. And it's just like a, a factory, like an NDSU or, or, or someone like that. So, I mean, I think it's a top 30 ish offensive line, but I think it's still, I want to see more before I just give them the title of like one of the best offensive lines in the FCS. So, um, that's probably where I would put it, but I, I think that it's on its way and they landed some great talent, but it's still going to take a minute to be considered one of the best in the FCS. Anonymous, you're live. Hello, this is Anonymous. And I had a question about uh, if you had a chance, if you were a player besides Auburn, if you were in the FCS, I don't know who your team is in the FCS, but if you were a player and you had the chance they recruited and the team said they're going to either play LSU or NDSU. Which team would you rather play? Oh, okay. Repeat that one more time. I'll make sure I got exactly what you, you want to be. So outside of Auburn, say, say that one more time. So say you're being recruited, right? And you can either pick a team that's an FCS, whatever your favorite team is. And they said, we're going to either play, one team says they're going to play NDSU, or the other team says they're going to play LSU on their schedule. Which which team would you rather play for? Um, I mean, really and truly, uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't base it off of that. Um, you know, well, just that that topic, not not so much. Yeah, so career, but I mean, for myself, like I because I played O line. So I would say LSU had the better D-line. So I would want to, to go play for the team that played LSU because I feel like for me who played offensive line, that'd be a bigger challenge. So I, I would probably say that. I'd probably say I'd rather play LSU if I was an offensive lineman and everything was the same in terms of what I played. I would pick LSU because they have a better defensive line than North Dakota State. Right. And, and say that you had, were a legitimate like, prospect. Don't you think that makes more sense to go play a school that plays on national TV, has a hundred thousand crowd and more likely scouts at that game? So I was just using that as a point to prove that I don't understand why people are so critical of playing quote unquote money games where this is a shot for a lot of these guys on the bubble to make a case for their draft stock. I think okay, so based on what I've heard the past few days, I'm just gonna give you my perspective on it. Um it's not the it's not the money game issue. It's not the 
it's not that we don't want to play those schools. It's more if we're going to go play those schools, we want more money. And for me, I get it because, I, like I said on my last show, I think FCS schools, regardless, SWAC, MEAC, Big Sky, um, Missouri Valley, Southland, you need – it's a million-dollar minimum. And, yeah, go ahead and ask for that. Why not? And I think that was the point. And so if you ask for a million, if you ask for 1.2 mil and you get 850, you get 900, it's a lot better than getting the 450 that you're settling for. And I think that was really the point that was missed in it all. And what happens is, and this happens way too much in like this space is someone says something and it's taken out of context and that's what people get caught up on. I don't think it was, you know, we should never play money games ever. And we don't care about getting the players in front of the scouts or in front of these teams or anything like that. It was just, we need to be negotiating better. Ask for more. And by default, you're probably going to get more, even the, even if you don't get exactly what you asked for. So if you, if you ask for 1.5, and you and you get a mill, that's cool. And so I think that was more the point than anything, rather than we should never play money games, in my opinion. Now, there might be some people out there who never want to play money games, but the I think the bigger overall point is you should negotiate better if we're going to play those games because A&M should have got more money to go get beat down 59 to nothing and have UAB kneel down at inside the red zone with six minutes left in the game. I think that was the bigger point of what Coach Prime was trying to make. Okay, well, I can, I can always respect getting more money. but uh, And I do agree because uh, I feel like the SU game with LSU was very publicized, at least locally, and it drew a lot of attention. So I think they should at least got a million dollars. So I, I can concur with that. But I just think it's a great opportunity for kids to get seen by scouts that may have otherwise not. Yeah, and you also got to compare the deals, and I think that also got lost in the clip too because people just clip clip everything up, and you miss the context things are things are set in, and context is really really important in these conversations. He he was saying, you know, Alabama State getting paid, let's just say six fifty, a six hundred fifty k to go play Auburn. They take a twenty five minute bus ride their travel cost expenses aren't taking from that money really so they get the they get the full 650 but getting paid 650 to fly to LA and play UCLA then you're losing all the money on travel and hotels and, and things like that so he was saying we have to be smarter in how to negotiate you need to negotiate more to go play UCLA because it's going to cost more to go play UCLA it didn't cost southern anything so they got the whole 750k which is which is why i think he said that was a great deal but alabama state got screwed they got no money and then they had to spend it all to go to LA and get back and it's the same thing as you were to travel up to washington seattle or anything like that you have to negotiate smarter and i think that was that was the main point to watch rather than it's just we hate all money games it's just know your worth make make the deals make business sense 
and and mm. negotiate on a scale. If your travel costs and everything are going to be this, you need to negotiate this and et cetera. And I think that was the main point. But due to everyone clipping up the what he said, I think a lot of the context has been lost when we really do have this conversation. And that's why it turns into you know, a quote unquote pissing match on social media or other shows because everyone thinks they have a point, but no one's seen the whole clip. And so they're arguing points that weren't even trying to be made. And so they're just arguing over things without context. And I think that's a important distinction to make. Yeah, it makes sense. Appreciate it, boo. Hey, appreciate the call, man. Well, man, um, you know, and I, I think, and like I said on the last show, man, I, I think he had a point. I, you you have to negotiate um, better deals, man. Like it just it, it makes no sense for people to be getting less than five hundred k to go play some of these games, and that goes for everyone in the FCS um, across the board. I think the only, um, just to kind of give you an example, the only FCS school that got paid over a mill for their money game or out of conference game was Idaho. And the reason Idaho got over a million is because the game was scheduled when they were still an FBS school. So they got paid a mill as an FBS school that just happened to drop down to FCS. Um, and, and, and look, that's the, and that, could, that could be the case where you ask for it and they, and they don't give it to you. And that's cool. But at least you knew your worth and negotiated for it and everything like that. I think that's the um, that's the biggest thing. Um. Some Big Ten and SEC stadiums hold 100K. Think about the millions they make off of one home game and ticket sales alone. 1.5 million is pocket change to them. Closed mouths don't get fed. That's what I said on my last show. There is, um, you know, that's the biggest thing is, uh, to uh, listen, I, I went to a Power 5 school. I know the money that floats around in these places and they're dropping what what was it hundreds of millions of dollars on buildings and and facilities and things like that it's like man 1.5 mil to get a game on the schedule is nothing is nothing i know it sounds a lot coming from our perspective because i doubt there's many millionaires in the chat right now watching this show and i'm definitely not one um but for these universities and programs where you're you're potentially getting a hundred million dollars just off the TV deal for the season. I mean, you got to make it. You got to make it make financial sense. And I get both sides of it because you know some people are saying, "Listen, this is the baseline that's been set," and they're right. That has been the baseline that's set, but that doesn't mean that has to be the baseline forever. In my opinion, and I think that's the important distinction to make. Um, is that it, you still can negotiate for more, even though the precedent has been has been set recently? Because it's just like I said about NFL contracts, you always want to try to reset the market because the guy coming up next to you um, uh, ha- has to get paid too. Um, so, NCAT got paid three fifty versus East Carolina. That's a two hour drive. Um, See, oh no, where can I see that game? The A and M coach that received that pink scooter from Coach Prime. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Probably Cut Day, maybe, um, or something like that. Thank you, Dan. Nebraska paid 15 million to Scott Frost to walk out the back door. 15 million, 15 million. And listen, just between us, uh, the, the the rumor around Auburn was is when they fired Gus Malzahn, a singular person, one person paid off Gus Gus Malzahn's 20 something million dollar buyout a single 
person, guys. Like that's the type of money that some of these boosters have in some of these programs. And so the fact that you can't say Alabama State couldn't get a mill for a game, man, come on. So I, I think that was the overall thing. And just you know, uh, anytime I try, anytime I hear something on social media, on uh, on another platform, anything like that, like you have to. You have to go listen to the full clip, man. I'm going to repeat this to y'all a million times, man. You've got to go listen to everything. You cannot, you cannot listen to a minute soundbite of a 20 minute interview and think, and then like take it completely out of context, man. Like do do your due diligence and listening to stuff before, you know, reacting. And I just think um, they'll it'll clean up like the whole back and forth that we have sometimes. Um, across the you know media space and everything but listen man, I, I got um to get back on track here uh listen call in number um in the chat as well if you want to call in but man jackson state i think um has the obvious advantage i got them winning this weekend in the vet i'm dropping my score prediction tomorrow and for our 50 dollar um venmo giveaway you got to predict the correct score and the correct winner you got to comment it on the video dropping tomorrow so make sure to look out for that in the morning the other game Real quickly, I wanted to talk about, man, um, before I get to y'all's comments and everything, is UNI versus Sac State. This is a game that um, I'm extremely interested to see, man. Sac State's only played one game this year. They're a top-10 team in the country. They're number eight right now in the FCS Stats Perform poll. Northern Iowa dropped a close game to North Dakota last week. And I just want to see if Sac State's legit, man. There's a lot of people who were looking at them as potential contenders this year for the – FCS national title, but they're going to have to win this game. They got to travel to Northern Iowa in the dome, but I still think Sac State's got a little bit too much talent. Love the quarterback play for Sac State. So I'm going to go with Sac State here 24 to 13 over Northern Iowa. And quickly, FCS game of the week Rhode Island versus Delaware, a ranked matchup. Number nine, Delaware traveling to number 17, Rhode Island on flow sports, sadly. But listen, this, this is going to come down to defense. Delaware's defense versus Rhode Island's offense is going to be the key to the game. Eight points per game allowed right now for Delaware. That includes an FBS game week one, which they pulled off the upset. Their leading tackler. I just want to let you guys hear hear this. In two games, their top three leading tacklers are Johnny Buchanan with 38 tackles in two games, Noah Plock with 22 tackles in two games, and Liam Trainer with 21 tackles in two games. They've played excellent defense. For the Blue Hens, man, Nolan Henderson is going to be the X factor on offense. He's going to have to create some explosive plays for Delaware. And Rhode Island has looked impressive against Stony Stony Brook and Bryant this year. Kasim Hill at the quarterback spot over 500 passing yards has done a great job on the offensive side of the football for the Rams. Marquise DeShields is one of my favorite running backs in the country. He is extremely, extremely explosive, had a big hurdle highlight. Um, this offseason in practice, man, 170 yards rushing thus far. This team is averaging over six yards per carry. This is going to be a big game for A.J. Penn on the defensive side of the football after having three and a half sacks last week against Bryant. But, man, I picked Delaware to win the CAA. I trust this defense. I trust Henderson. I trust this offense to make just enough plays to squeak by on the road this week against Rhode Island. So I'm going with Delaware 34-28 in our game of the week. Delaware upset Rhode Island, man. But listen, I'm going to take y'all's calls uh, for a few more minutes, man. Get, get to y'all's uh, 
comments and uh when we could talk about um whatever y'all want um let's see man y'all are going hard about um these jsu tickets and uh nccu versus new hampshire should be good and would be a great win for nccu i definitely agree um everyone ain't got season tickets i paid 35 dollars a ticket gonna roll with rhode island on this one um everyone didn't pay 35 a ticket either Let's see. They are fifty-five apiece for the two. I don't know. What people are talking about. Are y'all talking about how much Jackson State makes off a home game? When SU went to Georgia, they paid six hundred and fifty k and paid for travel and lodging. The LSU game was a win for SU seven seven sixty k. No travel and no lodging expenses. Yeah, so they pocketed all that money. That was that was not a bad. Um, that was really not a bad deal there. Um, in my opinion. See, Delaware is better than Rhode Island. I was, I was trying to catch up on some of these comments. I went to both SU and LSU. That was a win for both schools and the city. Yeah, because they said what there was um they were expecting like well over 150k just like tailgating around their smash, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if that actually um came to fruition or not, but I, I saw a post where they, they were saying that they were expecting a bunch of people to be in Baton Rouge that weekend. Do you know anything about NCAA closing the transfer portal? Like, what do you mean closing? Be fresh. I know there's dead periods where if you don't enter the transport, <clears throat> excuse me, the transfer portal in a certain time, you can't be eligible to play that season and things like that. But in terms of just getting rid of the transfer portal, I haven't, um, haven't heard anything about that. I don't, I don't think that's, happening anytime anytime soon it's true it, it did man i could only imagine i know uh my previous my old co-host brandon was in town for that game and he said um it, it was insane down there lsu was three miles away from su i knew the i knew the campuses were close um who is the second best team in the swag i so I, clearly i got jackson state at number one um I think right now, as much as we don't know about them, Darren, I'm going to go with Southern. I think Southern is the number two team right now because everyone else I got some question marks about. I think all corns in the discussion. I, I got to throw PV in there because they've been winning. Um, and then after that, you can just kind of throw everyone else at the wall. Alabama State potentially, but I'm worried about D. Davis's health. Um Texas Southern hasn't looked good. So I think I think it would be Jackson State Southern. Probably all corn would be my top three teams right now um, in the SWAC, Darren. Montana is great till they get deep in the playoffs. Man, I really do think they got a real quarterback, though. I will say that, S-Class. I think Montana has a legit quarterback now. I think Lucas Johnson is legit at the quarterback spot. So um, I, I I would say that Montana this year probably has their best team that they could really really make a run um uh, make a run in the FCS playoffs this year. What's the toughest FCS stadium to play at? Um, I mean statistically, Eastern Washington is up there. They don't lose at home at very much. Um, but in terms of attendance wise, I mean Jackson State has the biggest stadium, of course. But man, I've heard that those Montana stadiums, Montana State, and Montana get insane especially late in the season when the weather gets bad that crowd gets out there and both of those stadiums average well over twenty thousand in attendance so i think um you got to put them in the conversation as well but in terms of the toughest the fargo dome is tough to win at too but i think it's just also due to the dominance of north dakota state but you probably got to have a combination of 
of Eastern Washington, Jackson State, NDSU, and the two Montana schools would probably be the top five in terms of the toughest FCS stadiums to go down there and win at. The transfer portal has leveled the playing field. I agree. She said Jackson State is one, two, three, four, and five. That's why I want to see the Southern game this weekend. Man, this is this is a big um this is a this is a big weekend for Southern. They gotta go out there and look good. I think everyone has questions about what Southern could potentially be this year. This is a great opportunity for them to go prove to everyone that they're gonna live up to all the hype. They will change by the end of Saturday when we beat Southern. Love, love the confidence, Los J. Definitely love the confidence. Um, at least probably at least by 28 Paris, I think 28 to 30 something will probably be the final score there. They're going to win by at least, at least 28. It's probably going to be 30 plus honestly this weekend. Um, I, I do have, okay. So I, I got the score prediction in my article tomorrow. I, I guess I'll drop it for you guys. Uh, let me scroll up to it. So the article dropping tomorrow, Paris, I got incarnate word winning 52 to 17 over PV. So I got incarnate word 52 PV 17, this weekend, um, I just I don't I don't trust PV to go in there and beat Incarnate Word, which has looked like the best team in the FCS this year as of right now. People keep talking about JSU don't own our, don't own our stadium, but y'all get beaten the ones you own. Jesus Christ! If F, if if South Carolina State comes close to beat South Carolina, um, will you move SCS? Not close. They're gonna have to win that game. Um, Russell, they're going to have to win. If South Carolina State is going to be ranked next week, they're going to have to beat South Carolina. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to, um, I don't know if that's going to happen personally. Um, by 40. <laughs> that's a fact. Um, they call the numbers right here 701 779 9585 is to call the number, man. I'll be on here for probably about another 10 minutes. Southern will beat Texas Southern by 30. Uh, the article will be dropping in the morning, uh, Sean. I, I got a few edits to make tonight after I get done with the live stream, but it'll be out early in the morning, probably about 8 or 9. Uh, PV defense is very fast, so I want to see how they match up with um, Incarnate Word. Man, they, they better be fast. They better be fast because let me tell you, that Incarnate Word offense is is electric. Uh, they put up, what, 60-62 against Southern Illinois, a top-10 team in the country, and then put up 55 against Nevada. Last weekend in FBS upset, um, upset. So yeah, that they better be fast. Um, let's see. Well, they just got on here. Have y'all covered Incarnate Word? If not, are they for real? Man, no, they are for real, Mario. Listen, they beat a top ten team in the country in Southern Illinois, and then beat an FBS school in Nevada. I don't know how in the world they could play any steeper competition unless they had to go play like a Power Five school. Incarnate Word has played more competition than any other team in the top 10 right now in terms of, of my FCS rankings. They've played more comp than NDSU. They've played more comp than, okay, South, South Dakota State, maybe not, but it's 50-50 there. Played more comp than Montana. Played more comp than Montana State. Played more comp than Sac State. Played more comp than Jackson State. Played, played more comp than Delaware. Played more comp than Villanova. I mean, Incarnate Word has played an FBS school in a top a preseason top ten FCS school and beat them both by double digits. So Incarnate Word is legit right now, Mario. Winning in Grambling is statistically tough, but the atmosphere, I'll say Southern crowd is crazy. Gamecocks upset. 
they only ranked HBCUs high if they beat FCS schools. I want. I mean, maybe some voters. I mean, for me, I got Jackson State at ten. I mean, that's that is um, pretty high. Uh, I would say Jackson State at ten is pretty high. I got Central ranked in what twenty fourth. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. Um, in my opinion, um, whose whose draft stock is dropping? Um, right now. Uh, I hate to say it. Isaiah Lands is dropping. Isaiah Land has not looked good. Did not get a sack last week against a D2 team in Albany State. Um, man, I just want to see Nugget get on the field, man. Nugget's got Nugget's got to get some film on the on got got to get some film put together this his last season. So I would say Nugget a little bit. Um, and then right now, uh, Malachi, I mean, not on the field. Um, his is dropping as well. I think outside of that, I, you know, I, I don't think there's any NFL draft, you know, eligible players that have really made big drops, but I'm sure they're coming, Chris. I'll, I'll do a whole list, um, after this week when, when the kind of stats and everything start coming back in, but those three are the first ones that come to mind, at least in the swag. Appreciate, appreciate you, Sean, man. Who is the most disappointing team in the swag? Um, Mm, this is a tough one, Darren. Jesus. Um, I'll say FAMU, though. I'll say FAMU has been the most disappointing team in the SWAC. They looked kind of promising against UNC, I guess. Then they get smacked around by Jackson State. Then they str- they get a struggle win over Albany State. So I would say FAMU has been the most disappointing team. A close second would be Texas Southern, would be another team I'm really disappointed in. And then a close third would be Alabama A&M. So it would be FAMU, Alabama A- or FAMU, Texas Southern, Alabama A&M would be my three most disappointing teams in the SWAC right now. The vet should be a nightmare for visiting teams, but our fans haven't learned the amount of power they possess and how to deploy it. Hey, that's, that, that is, that's fair enough. This is a good weekend for FCS football. I agree, man. There's so many good games this weekend. I can't wait to um I can't wait to watch all of them. Nugget to the bench. Ouch, but true. Nugget was in special teams. Um I still I, I need I need him to play corner. That that's where you get your um draft stock up. Uh we wanted to be uh let's see, it was given to JSU Valley State uh four years ago. SCSU will make you eat your words to save your water. I got you, Russell. I got you. Listen, if they beat South Carolina, I, I got you. I'll, I will give you a shout-out on the next show. Um, I'm really rooting for Nugget. K-5 has been showing out, though. Man, both of them. Uh, K-5 and um, who's the other? There was another DB. Um, I'm blanking on his name. It starts with an H. Um, number 19, Herman Smith. Both of those guys look good uh, in in their action, but man, K five has been different this season. He just he just um he he just has uh he has something different about him this season. But um we'll definitely see. Um, what do you mean? Wow, did you hear the NCAA portal has closed? What do you mean closed? Um, like I, I think it's closed in terms of like um, hang on because. I don't know what y'all mean by in let's see. We're gonna get to the bottom of this because 
Bro, it's just the window system. So it, it's not like it's not closed for good. It's just you can't. It, it, they want to put windows on it that way players just can't transfer in the middle of the season and like be eligible for someone else. So it's just it's just windows. It's not like closed for good. Um, so it'll be all right. Um, yeah, I think he. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's John. Western Carolina is going to be a problem. I agree. In the SoCon, they're going to be a sleeper, Donovan. I picked them before the season as my sleeper in there. That that offense is going to be a huge, um, a huge problem. FAMU's most disappointing. Easy. FAMU easily most disappointing. FAMU is getting um uh let's see, Nugget and Lamb will probably be joining us in the chat. <laughs> um, value your opinion because you're at the top of your game with HBCU. So who's got the biggest mismatch this weekend in your opinion? Um, well, the biggest three, sir. Um in terms of games, who's who's the biggest mismatch? Uh, I think. Oh, looking at all the games, hmm. I think Jackson State does. Uh, Grambling does not match up well with Jackson State. That's a huge. Uh, that's a huge uh, mismatch, in my opinion. Now, another one I think is going to be Incarnate Word PV Mario. That is going to be that. I don't see how that game's even close. Because the defense for Incarnate Word has been really good this year, and the quarterback play, I just I don't believe in it at PV. So I think those are the two biggest mismatches right now. Southern Texas Southern, we'll see. I, it depends on what Texas Southern shows up, and then you know Austin P A and M is pretty bad, but I still think Incarnate Word beats PV by more than Austin P beats A and M. So I'll go with A and M. I'll I'll go with um, PV Incarnate Word. I'll go with Jackson State Grambling State. It's the biggest mismatches. Jason Dumas has not been on the field. I don't know where he was draft wise, but his stock. I see the thing with 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 Dumas is um the thing with Dumas. I don't know what his draft stock is because of his size, Mister G, because he's a little bit undersized, especially in terms of height. So I don't know where his draft stock really was. I know he had an injury, so I'm hoping he's back eligible, not eligible, back on the field this weekend. But I know he had an injury. He dressed out last weekend. I don't know how many snaps he played, but um, I'm hoping that he gets on the field um, this weekend. I mean, a hype team at JSU games, hype all the fans all around the stadium. The vet is a large stadium, but not intimidating. Southerns is more intimidating. Herman Smith. Yeah, Herman Smith was one I was talking about. Call the numbers here, man. We're about to wrap up the show here in a minute. Um, what are your thoughts on Crawley at Bama State? I, I think the potential's there. In terms of explosive plays down the field, but his deep ball can be can be on point sometimes, um, Swag. But the problem is consistency with Crawley for me. I don't know if I don't Crawley can get you through the games that Bama State should win, but can Crawley go out there and win you a game against when a team has more talent than Bama State? I think that's something that D Davis could do, but potentially not Crawley. But I think Crawley's serviceable and Crawley can get some can get some wins in conference for you, but for the big games, if you want to upset a Jackson State or, or someone like that, I think you're going to need D Davis in the game, and I think that's where Crawley's limitations um, have been. Wiggins' technique is the difference uh, maker. He's only a sophomore. Southern's home stadium is more intimidating than JSU's whole, uh, home stadium, even though JSU holds more people. That's fair. All players who enter the portal in September got released. Damn. I don't think there's one person that can say K5 and Herman Smith didn't earn their spot, um, regardless of how how a, how a player starts. Those two have been balling. I agree. 
they they have both definitely earned it. Um, I talked I talked about that game earlier in the show, Darren. I think NDSU gets that game, but I, I gave a I gave a preview earlier, and I'm also going to preview that game um, in, in my article dropping in the morning. Landon Nugget can always come back. Um, I don't I I don't I don't think they can. I think this is like their legit last year of eligibility, Brandon, unless I'm wrong. I, I I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure I was told this was both their last years of eligibility. Um but we'll see. I don't know. Let me know. Let me know if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they don't have another year. It depends on what division. Um I think they I, I really do think Tennessee State could win the West. I really do. And I think they would probably finish second second in the East behind Jackson State. But I think right now, Tennessee State's a better team than everyone else in the East. And it'd be a competition between them, Southern, and Alcorn, but they would have a chance to win that that other division. I grew up in Jackson, been to every JSU-SU game since um, a baby. I'm here to tell you that JSU Pat crowd is different. Trust me. I want to see Nugget win because I know that GA Natty win would be in the back of his head. Definitely. I agree, Smash. Um. When Alcorn's going to upgrade those facilities, I don't know, man. Listen, um, I got a I got a show coming with the Alcorn State coach. Maybe he'll I can I can talk to him about talking a little bit about that. I know the locker room upgrades are in in the works, but I don't know the timetable on them. Um, I, I don't know the timetable right now. Um, Kevin, I, I, this is another game I previewed earlier. If you uh, rewind just a little bit, I talked about it, but. I picked NCCU for the upset, man. I think they have just enough to to get past New Hampshire this weekend. It's my one upset pick of the week, and I, I, I really, really hope NCCU can pull that upset off, and I, I think they have the talent to do so, especially with how their defense um, is playing. Uh, Quincy Casey, I don't know. He, I, I think he'll get playing time, but I don't think he's going to be the starter this weekend, Darren. Um, I think they're going to go with Lankford um, at, at, at first. Any recruits going to be at JSU Grand, but I don't know about any recruits visiting, but I would imagine they are going to have someone there. They are going to have someone there. Okay, so Nugget, Nugget, Nugget has another year due to COVID. Okay. They can if they take a red shirt. So if if Nugget Nugget can't come back technically, so maybe um if Nugget comes back, that's gonna be scary. And get Travis in his second year and Nugget coming back for a fifth year. That's going to be disgusting. Uh, does Hawkins complete 60% of his passes Saturday? Oh, so Kevin said Nugget played his spring season. We'll see. I'll I'll, I'll text Mr. Moorman. I'll let y'all know next episode. Does Hawkins complete 60% of his passes Saturday? No. I'm going to say no. Uh, Hawkins has not completed 60% of his passes in either of the first two games. He didn't complete 60% against Northwestern State, and he did, and he completed less than 50 against Arkansas State. I do not think Hawkins completes 60% of his passes, and I think that's going to be a major, major issue for Grambling State this weekend is the efficiency and accuracy of their quarterback, and that's going to be something that um, – that, that holds them back ultimately, man. But listen, and uh, almost two hours on here, man, we were up over 300 for most of the stream at up over 250. Now I definitely, definitely appreciate y'all. Listen, Jackson state, Grambling state official preview dropping in the morning on YouTube, our full article with all our other FCS previews dropping on the website, the bluebloodspod.com dropping um, on our, on our website in the morning as well. And then, 
I'm trying to think if we got anything else coming. Roundtable tomorrow night with all script. We're going to preview all of a lot of the HBCU games this upcoming weekend. And I could have a Friday show as well, man. I'm going to um, definitely let y'all know. I might just do a like a, a live stream, let y'all call in, give y'all's predictions on whatever games y'all want to talk about because I'm not traveling this weekend. So I'll be able to do a live stream the night before all the games kick off, man. Listen, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, man. Join the membership if y'all want. And if you don't remember, DraftKings, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code BLUEBLOODS. You get, if you put in $5 on a game this weekend, you get $200 instantly in free bets this weekend. But guys, until next time, the Blue Bloods are out.